is Ronaldo. Oh, my goodness. You don't save those. Out of this world. Messi. 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 Landon Donovan, there are things on here for the USA. Can they do it here? Cross, and Dempsey is denied again, and Donovan has scored! Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA! Certainly through! Oh, it's incredible! You could not write a script like this! For the fourth time, the United States of America are crowned champions of the world. From the international stage to right here at home, this is FUVFC, talking all things soccer on WFUV Sports. Welcome back, folks. I hope you missed us because we missed you. It is another installment of FUVFC, WFUV's home and the only home in the Bronx for all things soccer. The usual crew's back today, Michael Hernandez, Nick Guzman. Nick's name is on the Zoom box, so I'm not even going to have to stutter or look to him to help me out. Gentlemen, we're back on Zoom, you know, for Christmas break. Is it for the future? For us, it doesn't matter because we're just going to keep rolling through content this winter break, keeping everybody in the loop with all things soccer. So before we get into, you know, really breaking down what's going on in England in terms of the table, we got big Boxing Day matches coming up on Sunday. First, gentlemen, how are we? How are finals? How's the transition back to living at home? We already bored yet? Because I certainly am. Nick, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm glad finals are over with. Glad to be back with the family. Um, it's definitely a big change being back home. But I think it's going to be a good, good, solid month of at home. Regroup. Coming back stronger in the spring. Excited to talk some soccer again today. Michael. Donning the Liverpool kid is always, always supporting the Reds. How are you, my man? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, I'm also back home. Um, you know, just, uh, uh, you know, uh, I'm only here for the month because uh, I'm going abroad next semester. So I'm going to try to enjoy the 20 some odd days before the flight and, you know, just, just have a good time. And when, and like Nick, I'm, I'm happy to be able to talk about soccer today. Michael will be studying abroad. I am not as fortunate as he is, but he is going over to England, and that's going to be the focus of today's episodes as we're looking at all things Premier League. We've had COVID outbursts. There's kind of some question flags in the air. Premier League already requiring, you know, proof of vaccination, proof of negative tests to get in, all that stuff we'll get into after we talk through the table. Because since the last time we recorded where we saw Chelsea on top of the league, Man City has returned to the form of old where Pep's just got that squad that, is as deep as any team in the Premier League. I think the deepest when you consider talent. And back-to-back shutout wins. First, the 7-0 just thrashing of leads and a 4-0 dominant win over Newcastle. Granted, sides in the bottom half of the Prem, but doesn't matter. We know how you know consistently tough this league can be. So, gentlemen, as we sit at the halfway point of – the official halfway point of the Premier League with 18 match weeks gone, is City still the team to beat? Because we came into this – this this year and we said you know they're always going to be giving you a go but we thought you know maybe Chelsea would be resilient Liverpool's in second sitting three points off the top so you know when those two clash later down the road it's going to be you know all eyes on that but as it sits right now is 
does you, City, excuse me, still have that target on the back of their shirt saying, we are the best in England and you better come and seal this title from us because we're not giving it up willingly? Oh, for sure. I think just the way they're playing right now, they're 100% the team to beat. They haven't shown any cracks really the last two months in the Premier League. And it's, it's really just down to the, the depth. When you look at a team like Chelsea, and they've had some injuries, they've had some COVID issues, but, you know, one injury, one COVID issue here, and all of a sudden you're scraping players to line up, you have to play Sal in the midfield, and, and the system doesn't really work anymore. With City, you've got 11, a beautiful first 11. You've got 11 players behind them that can step right in. And when this City's team is playing on all cylinders as they are right now, I mean, they're definitely the team to beat. There's just so few holes especially now they've got De Bruyne back playing well. Bernardo, Bernardo Silva's been excellent this year. Cancelo's been so good at fullback. They've been solid defensively. They're solid going forward. I think the fact that other teams have started to show some cracks like Chelsea and City are still rolling right along 100%. Man City are still the team to beat. I mean, you know, if you take a look at them, they are the defending champions. So, you know, of course, they're always going to have the target on their back. And with the depth... Uh, of the squad that they have, you know, it, it's no surprise that, you know, they are uh, right now uh, at the top of the table with a three-point gap. So, you know, there, there's, you know, every indication that they could once again go all the way. And I think as much too, as it hurts me to say it, of course. Yeah, I know. As Liverpool guys, Michael. And Nick, who do you support? You're I'm Chelsea. Nick, Chelsea. So oh. as guys that are sitting right on the cups of, you know, trophies, we've experienced them in the past couple of years, all three of us. It's just that perennial threat of Man City that's just so hard for us to shake away because it's that feeling of, you know, if you spill points at any given instant within the season, you know City's going to take that opportunity to leapfrog to the top of the table as they've done this year. And so moving forward, right, for City, just looking ahead at their upcoming, you got Leicester that's, if you watched the Carabao Cup game this past week and you've watched Leicester recently in, you know, Europa League, which they recently just got moved out of because they can't win. It looks like Brendan Rodgers is probably going to be sacked, in my personal opinion. But anyway, it looks like a confident win there. Brentford, and they face Arsenal. And, you know, Arsenal, really a tale of two, two halves of the season because they started off dropping their first three matches. Everyone was kind of wanting Arteta out. First time in almost the history of Arsenal that they had been last in the Premier League, at least not for a long time. And then they slowly start to piece together results. And they currently sit fourth in the Premier League, four-point lead over West Ham. You know, realistically, I think we can say that that fourth spot is really the one up for grabs. I think Chelsea, Liverpool, and City slot those three in the top three, even though Chelsea has shown some cracks. I think when they're healthy, they are guaranteed top three finish. But that fourth spot, you know, between the likes of Arsenal, who currently sit there, that we've seen really kind of come together as a cohesive soccer unit for the first time, probably within the past two, two and a half seasons. West Ham started off really hot. We've seen them falter just because their style plays so hard to sustain, you know, not dominant in possession, just try and get you on the counter, create one or two chances. Then you look to United, which is still a big question mark. And then Tottenham, and if you caught the Liverpool versus Tottenham game, I know Michael and I probably watched. Nick, I'm not sure if you did, but it was the first game I really saw under Conte that you saw a Tottenham side that really had an identity. You saw the likes of Harry Kane, Harry Winks, Deli Alley playing really well. Son still contributing in the way he only knows how to carry that team. So I think that four spot is a big question mark as we move forward. But gentlemen, you know, we talk so much about City. Are there any teams that you see in the Premier League 
that can really cause them a stink, cause them to slip up outside of the Liverpool and Chelsea. Because I looked at that Arsenal game and I think, you know, maybe that will be the first time in City's most recent run of form that they have something to prove just because they're not playing at bottom of the team, bottom of the league team. Do I think they're going to run over Arsenal? Absolutely. But I think it'll be a game in which City, you know, will once again remind us and humble the rest of the soccer community and say, yeah, we still are top dog. Yeah, scrolling down this Man City schedule, I really have a tough time seeing a lot of drop points. Arsenal, you know, like you said, Keenan, they've been playing really well recently, but still, whenever they seem to play, you know, a top 16 that isn't Tottenham, they kind of get ran off the park a little bit. Um, I just don't think they're at that level yet. I think that's an easy win for City. And the only other game really in January that sticks out to me is the clash with Chelsea. But again, City are at home and City beat Chelsea at Stamford Bridge earlier this year. So, you know, that would have to be a really, really solid defensive performance from Chelsea. Maybe they can make a goal and come away with three points. But then you're looking through, they've got Southampton also in January, Brentford, Norwich. These are all games that, you know, City really should not be dropping points. I don't think they will. And then all of a sudden you scroll a little further and as you're in March and and you're coming towards the tail end of the season. So if you're one of the teams that are chasing City for Liverpool or Chelsea, you really have to look down the schedule and think, man, I cannot drop any more points in games that I, in games that, you know, I shouldn't be dropping points in like Chelsea against Wolves, Chelsea against Everton. Those kind of games can't happen because City, a City team, you know, at full throttle playing in, you know, first gear, you can't, you, they're not going to drop any more points in games that I don't think they should. So Chelsea and Liverpool have to be on their toes. I'm going to make a prediction. I'm going to say that uh, City will drop points to Brentford. I'm not going to lie. I, I'm, I've been impressed with Brentford so far based on the fact that this is their first year in the Prem. You know, they, they beat Arsenal. But then again, that was, you know, Arsenal before match week four. Uh, they, they, gave che- they gave Chelsea a really hard time. You know, if it wasn't for Mendy, it would have been a tie or, or you know, or, or, or maybe less than that. Um, and, and they also pushed Liverpool all the way and, and they held them to a draw. So I wouldn't sleep on Brentford. Um, obviously, you know, every game is going to be important to them. You know, if, if you ask Pep, he's going to say, you know, every single game is, you know, there is no such thing as an easy game in the Premier League. Um, I do agree that City will beat Arsenal. But I would say that uh, if you look at the schedule, you know, Leicester, I, I sh- I'm expecting City to win. But then Brentford on the 29th, that, you know, if if there was a team to make City lose points in like the next month, month and a half in their schedule, I, I would put it in Brentford because they faced them twice, December 29th and February 9th. So those could be, you know, two weeks where Brentford could get a point or maybe even more, depending on how they play. And we speak always speak so much of how deep the Premier League is. And Michael, you're echoing that too with, you know, Brentford pushed Liverpool to a tie, beat Arsenal, granted, before Arsenal really, you know, had to figure it out before the club was in shambles. But yeah, I think personally, I think maybe Brentford gets them. But also I think with City in years past, we've seen them make those mistakes. And, you know, whether it be a loss to Nuno's Wolves or whomever that they drop points to when they drop points to Norwich, I just don't see this, this Pep team doing so. But Michael, you do bring up a good point. And just to transition towards, you know, the four that are still playing Champions League football, you know, West Ham's still in the Europa League. Tottenham had to withdraw from the Conference League. But I think in that window when Brentford gets them the second time is right when the first round of the knockouts are starting in Champions League. So then it becomes that question that we're always asking, 
ourselves of what does Pep put, you know, importance on? Is it the Premier League or is it the Champions League titles? I think that he's got as good of a squad rotation as any. I think when, you know, we look at Chelsea and Liverpool, I think in terms of talent, there might be a – Chelsea's definitely a step ahead of Liverpool, but I think both are a step below City in terms of talent. The reasons that why those two teams can kind of rotate anyone in is just because of the systems in which they play. But I think Pep not only has the system to do well, but he also has the talent to do so. So it'll be that question of, you know, when Europe picks back up and if Europe picks back up with all this COVID stuff going around in the UK, will where will the priorities lie and will they be able to sustain results? Just because it's that never-ending question as to which lineup will see a Raheem Sterling and which won't? Who will get Riyad Mars and who won't? Where will Phil Foden play? The guys that, you know, can be interchanged within those lineups, who's going to get them? So I think it's a big question to ask because, you know, you got four teams in the Premier League that are still alive within the Champions League. And me personally, I wouldn't be surprised if a team like Liverpool if they spill points in the upcoming weeks, if they just say, okay, we'll just push for second, which is a top four, because I don't think they're going to fall out of that top four, no matter how many points they spill. But I think, you know, if they find themselves a little bit off the lead, they'll just put everything towards the Champions League. Same can be said about Chelsea. But I think Man City's right now in the luxury of, you know, playing the best soccer they've played in this season thus far that they can attack both Champions League and Premier League with a variety of lineups. And they also, you know, did themselves a favor and drawing Sporting Lisbon. So that doesn't require, you know, your best 11 too. But I think it's just going to be super interesting as we head down this stretch to see where everything shakes out. And I think, you know, come middle to end of February, we're going to have a really clear picture as to who's trying to win what and how likely they are going to be able to win it. But all that being said, we've got a big Boxing Day coming up. You know, obviously Boxing Day is history in English soccer. Every Normally every team in the Premier League plays on that day, but this year it's kind of an exception with two matches being canceled to COVID. And I want to segue because I know how much COVID's such a pain to talk about and, you know, how it just immediately is depressing everyone just because this is the reality we've been living in for the past year, pretty much two years now. But with all this COVID stuff going on, gentlemen, the question kind of was asked to me is what impact will it have? Maybe not so much domestically, because I spoke at the top of the show about, you know, having to show proof of vaccination, whatever that pass is to get into stadiums. But in terms of Europe, I think there's a real question to be asked as to how will the spread of the Omicron variant in Europe help hurt certain teams in the Champions League and will the Champions League continue? So I'll open it up to you guys on that point because, you know, right now it's spreading, but it's not quite to the level and the hysteria that the first wave of COVID was. But I think when you have transnational soccer, as we do in the Champions League, it becomes really dicey if you're, you know, UEFA in terms of how do I weigh safety versus profits? And, you know, everybody wants to see this championship be played, but is it likely that it's going to continue on course? I think when you talk about UEFA weighing, safety versus profits it's not definitely not an even scale i think for sure the profit in in uefa's eyes the profit is much more important than the safety so i would be stunned if they it would take a lot for them to for them to alter the course of the competitions currently you know moving on i think uefa is also kind of hoping that 
by the time we reach, you know, the first round of knockouts, it'll be February. Hopefully things have died down a little bit because right now it's kind of intense with the Omicron variant. This is kind of in the heat of it, especially here in like the New York City area. But I think UEFA is hoping that by the time we start the knockouts, things will have died down. And domestically, you know, in the Premier League, we were seeing the repercussions right now, you know, in terms of cancellations and teams having to field much weaker 11s. And I think it'd really be a shame if by the time we get to February, if a team, you know, like Chelsea, like Liverpool has to field an 11, that's much, much weaker because of COVID. And we'll see, you know, because right now in terms of the Premier League, the way that they're deciding which games to cancel and which games to, you know, play with the weakened squad, it's kind of the guidelines aren't really that clear. You know, it seems like some teams are having an outbreak that they're being forced to play and other teams are requesting cancellations and, and they're being granted. So it'll be interesting, you know, in the Champions League, what, what, is, what are UEFA's guidelines for that? And how do they, how do they schedule these things that they need to reschedule? Because the Champions League is something that, you know, you play midweek and there's not a ton of, you know, space for rescheduling, especially, you know, with the tight domestic schedules that all these teams have. So UEFA's got their work cut out for them, you know, especially with the way we're going with this variant. And I think too, Nick, you know, I brought up a good point. When it comes to UEFA, obviously in years past, money has been principal and it means sacrificing the livelihoods of certain individuals in order for money to be made. I don't think they're going to shake their heads and deter from that. But I think with, you know, the Champions League being in such national spotlight and everything being, you know, closely contended, I don't know how they could pause it just as we, you know, know is only played in the midweek. But I think the only positive is, is that the World Cup this upcoming summer is moved to the fall, as we all know. So in a hypothetical sense, if they wanted to get to say like the semifinals, the quarterfinals, and just postpone it to the end of the league season and just try and slip it in the back end of May, I think they could. But also I feel, feel like that infringes so much upon what the Champions League is because we just had this discussion of, you know, where do you put your, you know, where's the importance within your club in terms of your 11? And if you move it and delay it to a later date, it seemingly means that everyone can compete for every title, which, you know, in thought is what you want to happen. But also it's that practicality of, okay, if you want to compete for every title, you're going to have to make certain tactical adjustments versus in the case of Liverpool, just playing the same front three every match. You might have to mix it up when you're playing, you know, away at Southampton on Sunday, you're playing in Italy on Tuesday, and then you're playing at Chelsea on Saturday. So I think it's definitely going to be an interesting thing to see what they do. Me personally, I don't think that Champions League is going to be canceled or even close to that. Maybe we'll see like a reduction in fans across soccer in Europe until this gets sorted out. But realistically, I think we can expect it to proceed as normal. But also with everything being, you know, in the year 2021, transitioning into 22, especially around COVID, everything highly scrutinized. I'm sure UEFA will have a plan so that no matter what the outcome is, is that they don't look in a negative light. I mean, uh, I'm going to step in, Keenan. Don't forget, in the 1920 season, they did freeze it completely. They stopped everything. And then, you know, uh, they did put it in the summer. So, so kind of like what you mentioned, they could do it in the back of May. And, and one thing, and you also mentioned this, the World Cup is in the winter. So, so, you know, there's no worry about, oh, we need to get this done before the World Cup because you have, 
you know, full year. Um, but yeah, I'm going to say that there, there is no way that they pause it unless if it gets to a, you know, to an extreme level, which I highly doubt. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that the Champions League will continue just because I, I don't think it's going to get as bad as it did back in the uh, 1920 season. And I think, too, you know, I guess not pause it all the way, but something also that, you know, UEFA needs to weigh is that what if, for instance, as we see cases rise in the UK, the UK says, you know, Chelsea, you're not allowed to go play in Torino to play Juventus, hypothetically, or, you know, Liverpool, you're not allowed to go to Paris. City, you can't go to Portugal. I think then maybe UEFA will look to find neutral sites in which these games can be hosted at. And I think that's the more likely of an outcome, especially in a, you know, a Champions League knockouts that is introducing the, you know, no away goals rules. I think it's very likely that we could see that be introduced just so that, you know, the home atmosphere, yes, it can help, but also if away goals aren't a factor, then you're just playing two legs at neutral sites and it's, you know, go out there and play. And so long as that they're safe, there can't be any backlash. I don't know. So uh, much. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I think that has been done before. I, th- I want to say the 1920 season, like they had the one-off games, but I think last year, um, I could have sworn Chelsea played Atletico. I forget which stage of the knockouts, but they, but those games were played um, in a neutral venue. So it, I mean, once again, I don't think we're going to, I don't think UEFA will do that just because, you know, there is still time, but I mean, it, it that is a way, I mean, you know, I, I'm hoping that it doesn't come to that. Cause you know, if Chelsea, cause you know, Chelsea playing Lil, I'm going to be in London. I'm hoping that I can go to one of those games, but uh, only time will tell. And so transitioning back to the Premier League. And we've talked about COVID. We've talked about, you know, the likelihood of Champions League, you know, maybe being postponed as we just kind of saw. And I think we're all pretty, you know, optimistic that everything will continue as scheduled. But we are at the halfway point of the season. And I think the table is shaping to be what we expected. You know, City, Liverpool, and Chelsea, I think from week match week two, we knew that these three would be the favorites for the title think United was the big question mark, but with everything happening there leading up to this point with Solskjaer being sacked, you know, the terrible results, whatever you may have it, they've dropped out of favor. Arsenal thrust into fourth position. Tot- uh, Tottenham looking okay. As we wrap up today, boys, just because, you know, there's so much we could get to, but I'd rather just preview it for Boxing Day and kind of use this as a springboard into the second half of the season. Where can we expect to see the Premier League table after 36 match weeks? I think I think we're going to see City at the top, and I think Liverpool's going to be a close second because I think one big thing that we're overlooking a little bit about Liverpool was, you know, in January they lose Salah, they lose Mane to African Cup of Nations. And those are – other teams are going to lose their African players, but I don't think any of them compare – there's Salah and Mane in terms of how important they are to that Liverpool team. And I think we're going to see Liverpool drop points in that January period. But I think City, as I mentioned before, the depth is is just too much and it'll carry them through the end. I think we'll see Liverpool second, Chelsea a little bit further behind in third. And the fourth place spot is what I find to be really interesting because, you know, five, six weeks ago, I maybe would have said West Ham because Arsenal, you know, we're playing well, but you know, you don't know if they're legit. Tottenham, I just tired content. You don't know how quickly that's going to work out. You know, United were in disarray. But I think it's going to be a really interesting clash for the fourth spot. I think 
West Ham will drop off a little bit more. But Arsenal and some of their new signings with Arteta and the system he's got playing, um, I love the way they're playing right now. I think they need to prove it a little bit against, you know, big six opposition. You know, they beat Spurs this year, but it still seems like whenever they play a Liverpool or a City or a Chelsea, they're kind of played off the park a little bit. But I wouldn't be shocked if Arsenal, you know, get that fourth spot and get back to the Champions League, which would be a huge, huge thing for that club. You know, it's uh, – these last few years of just turmoil and it's just so much easier to attract players as a club when you're, when you play Champions League football midweek. So I think my early prediction is going to be Arsenal are going to hang on to that fourth spot and it's going to be between them and Spurs. That's what I'll say. United hanging back a little further. Um, I, I'm going to disagree with you right there for the fourth spot. Um, I, I will say uh, I do believe Man United will be in contention, but one team, uh, is Spurs, because if you take a look at the table, sure, they're six points behind Arsenal, but they played three less games, you know, because of the COVID postponements and all that. So, and not to mention Spurs have no other European, you know, they're not playing any midweek matches, you know, Champions League or, or anything like that. So unlike United, West Ham, Chelsea, Liverpool, and City, you know, they're going to be having to focus, oh, do we prioritize Champions League or the Premier League? Tottenham can just, you know, focus on the Premier League. And with those three games in hand and with Conte, if he can if he can get that team in shape, I would say that the fourth place, because let's be honest, the top three will be the top three just because, you know, they're miles ahead of anyone else. I would say either Spurs or United, uh, probably Spurs, because I feel like United will push for the Champions League because that's maybe, besides the FA Cup, that's the only trophy that they, you know, have, have an actual chance in. Um, I will say that Arsenal will play in Europe. I don't know where, you know, maybe Europa League if they won the at the FA Cup or or the uh, or the European Conference League. But I would say that the fourth spot is a toss up between Spurs and United, and I would lean to, towards Spurs with United winning the Champions League uh, because they might prioritize that. And Michael, I think, you know, I'm leaning more towards, you know, that United and Tottenham mix for the fourth spot. I think Arsenal will be there to the end. I think that this Arsenal team has proven a lot thus far, especially mm -hmm. after the first three match weeks. And I think that they've we've seen them only continue to get better, but I think there's a limit in terms of the talent that they have on the field, especially going forward. I think Aubameyang is aged and, you know, for so long his pace was his key attribute. There's always been that question of finishing. And I just don't think he's still that guy that can carry a front three. You know, you see Saka really stepping into the role in terms of what Arsenal needs in terms of attacking power hours. But I still think that they're limited. But I think they're going to, excuse me, give a good push until the end of the season. But I think, you know, when you look at Tottenham and you look at United, both of whom are under new coaches midway through the season, it's just who's going to be able to implement better. And that Liverpool versus Tottenham game we spoke a little bit about earlier, it was the first time in which you saw I would say the Conte effect at Tottenham where it was everyone playing the same style of football and everyone understanding their roles and, you know, players blossoming within those roles. So I think that's a step in the right direction, but you can also, you know, turn a blind eye to Ragnarok when he gets everything going for Manchester United. I think there's still questions to be asked in terms of their 11 and who they're going to play, but, I don't think that they see themselves as favorite for the Champions League. It'll be interesting to see if they go on a deep run or not. 
I say if they make it to the quarterfinals, then they'll probably drop out of trying to win, you know, top four. You know, they'll still push for it, but I think more more of the importance of that club will be doing well in the Champions League and, you know, if not trying to win it, at least, you know, competing and contending within whomever they draw for that quarterfinal. And then I think with Tottenham, Michael, you spoke about it perfectly. They've got nothing to play for besides the Premier League and the Carabao Cup, which is a whatever trophy in my personal opinion. So mm-hmm. yeah, they're going to be pushing for top four. I think that's what Conte is urging them in the dressing room saying, hey, this season is still can be a positive if we go out every week and compete to the level which we know. And I think, you know, not to speak too much about that Liverpool game against Tottenham, but it was a game in which Tottenham played with a lot of character, which I feel like they haven't seen since early Mourinho days where, you know, there's challenges being thrown in that are oftentimes reckless. If you saw that one by Harry Kane on Diego, yeah. it should have been a straight red in my opinion, but you know, that's at least a positive sign if you're Conte and you're like, these guys want to play and are playing with fire. So It'll definitely be interesting to see how it all shakes out. Before we end the episode, gentlemen, any final thoughts heading into the match week on Boxing Day? You got West Ham versus Southampton, Tottenham versus Palace, Arsenal versus Norwich, City versus Leicester, Burnley versus Everton, Villa versus Chelsea, Newcastle versus United, Brighton versus Brentford. Any of those sticking out, boys? Not really any any great matches, for being honest. No big six clashes or no six versus, you know, 10 or whatever, but outside of that City versus Leicester game, which I think will be a blowout because Leicester can't defend, any one of those really grabbing our attention? I would say the Tottenham Palace game. Oh, sorry. I I was just going to say, watch out for for a Chelsea slip-up at Aston Villa, an Aston Villa Mm -hmm. Villa team that's playing really well under Steven Gerrard. Chelsea are getting some pieces back from the COVID reserve, but, you know, watching them these last few weeks, they're just not playing well and Aston Villa are right now Aston Villa it's a tough place to go and win I think we could see a Chelsea slip up or we could see you know the Nick maybe a 1-0 win Mm -hmm. uh yeah I I would agree with that match because as we all know um uh, Stevie G is no stranger at just slipping up do a reference for yeah I I see you laughing uh and then I would say uh the other match to that I would watch um would be Tottenham Crystal Palace just because, I mean, we know Tottenham is one of the big six, but Crystal Palace have been, you know, surprisingly good under Vieira, you know, uh, under the new coach. I, I, not gonna lie, I didn't really expect them to do much, but with their, uh, the player that they got in from Chelsea, uh, Conor Gallagher, I feel like that could be um, uh, another good matchup. But I mean, besides those three matches that we mentioned, um, I mean, yeah, it, it, it should be a pretty good boxing day, hopefully. So. Yeah, I think I agree with both of you there. I think that West Ham versus Southampton game will be definitely one for me to keep my eye on just because it's the only one in that early or time slot. Actually, I stand corrected. Everything's starting at 9 a.m. except with the exception of a few at the end. But I definitely think that West Ham versus Southampton, as we talk so much about West Ham trying to stay relevant in terms of top four, Southampton is always one of those teams that can at least give you a good 45 minutes of hard work but I agree with the Crystal Palace versus Tottenham game. Conte coming off a good, a good showing against Liverpool. Can he do? Can his team do the dirty work against team, uh, against Patrick Vieira's Crystal Palace that has you know given problems to Big Six this year? And I think they also, beat City, if I'm not mistaken. So. They did, yeah. So I think that you know that Palace team is loaded with talent, and you know 
it's always been a question of will they unload, and they seemingly haven't. And then, you know, that Villa versus Chelsea, Nick, you hit the nail right on the head. Steven Gerrard's, you know, clearly injected something into that club, and with Chelsea not being in the best of form, it's a, definitely a match that they need to go win so they can still keep the pace with City and Liverpool in terms of the top three looking for a title. Well, gentlemen, that's going to do it all. Great show. Good to be finally back recording after a few weeks off. Hope finals went well for you and for all of our listeners that are in college and taking finals, or if you're an adult and doing adult things, I don't know what that means at the end of the year, but I'm sure it also means some stress. So wish everyone listening and to you gentlemen as well, a happy holiday season. Hopefully Michael gets new Liverpool gear. Nick, I don't know what Chelsea gear you have or don't have. So you know, hopefully St. Nick comes and brings you something in that beautiful blue. Hopefully. Maybe, a, maybe a win on Sunday, because that would certainly be nice after the recent lapse of form. That's going to do it, guys. For Nick Guzman, Michael Hernandez, I'm Keenan Troy. Wishing everybody a happy holiday season. Hopefully we will see you next week, recap and boxing week and whatever the world of soccer throws at us, because as we've seen time and time again, there's clearly no way to gauge it and or guess it. Take care.